Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name is Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive, both now and in the years to come. It's good to be back and I'm excited to share with you an interview today with Galit Breen all about kindness. I don't think many weeks go by without a negative article about our children online, whether it's what someone did or some new thing for parents to be worried about. There's a lot of fear around being online that many parents have for their children. My guest today took a different path. She chose to teach how to be kind online. We must teach them how to do the right thing in this space, not just what they shouldn't do. We talk about how to come back from shame and hurt online and how we can help ourselves and our kids. She also gives three good modeling resources to show them how to be online. Glee is a great resource. Today I'm talking to Galit Breen, best-selling author of Kindness Wins, a simple, no-nonsense guide to teaching our kids how to be kind online. The TEDx talk, Raising a Digital Kid Without Having Been One, and the online course, Raise Your Digital Kid. You can learn more about her at theselittlewaves.net. I'm so excited that you're on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited too. Well, I want to launch straight in because I have a lot of questions that I know (laughs) the listeners will be um, wanting to know the the answers to. Social media and being online can be a scary issue for parents because it's so new and we've also heard a lot of horror stories. How do you start the conversation about being online with your children? There's so much to that question because you're right. We are coming at it with all this baggage of all the things we're seeing posted on Facebook and the articles that our friends are sharing, but then we've never been there. Like we've never been the kid who's 10, 11, 12 experiencing all these things. So we have no idea how to help them, right? Yes. (laughs) Um, So I always say start at the very beginning, right? The very first question they ask is the one that you should be answering. So from at my house, it was, I want Instagram. Like that was literally how we, (laughs) how we dove in. I thought, okay, we're going there right now, aren't we? And I just approached the conversation exactly where my daughter was at because I knew that I had her buy-in, right? It was what she was curious about. Mm -hmm. So that's where we started. That's good. So if we start with don'ts and rules, which tends to happen in some of our families, you know, we we have all these rules about, you know, don't pick your nose, (laughs) don't eat with your, you know, don't eat you with your mouth um, open at the table, but we don't often do the other way around and show them the things that they should be doing. Um, if we leave it to leave that for our children, it's hard to know how to do something well. So if you're only told what not to do, how do you get them to do the things that you really want them to do? Well, then they go for trying lots of different things online, and we don't want them to do that. So how do we as parents go for this pro kindness, intentional attitude about being online? 
Well, I don't think you could have said it any better than that. That is exactly what you do. You flip the conversation completely. And instead of starting off with the scare tactics and all the things you don't want them to do, which are important, you're going to need to get to them, but start with the positives. And especially if they have not had exposure yet to the online world, which means starting a little bit younger, right? But if they haven't had that exposure, then you get to, you get to do that. You get to be their first voice and their first lesson in there. So for us, you know, you're always going to post kind things. You're never going to treat your friends poorly online. That's not how we do it. Instead, you're going to lift them up. Here's how I do it. And here's how you can do it too. So that conversation becomes so much more positive and so much more fun when we do exactly what you just said, when we are intentional about it and we start with what do we want it to look like and how could it be? Yeah, well, I have three boys. And so we've always been trying to talk about the kindness thing and be nice thing. And it's hard sometimes with boys because they sometimes feel, well, I can't speak for all boys, but I can speak for my boys, mm -hmm. that they kind of think that, is this a kind of a girly thing? Does this make me soft if I'm saying be kind and be nice? In the back of the mind, they know that that's not true because of, of what we do as a family. But trying to say those words that you, you just said about in our family, we're always kind to each other. So online, we're going to be kind to each other. It's really, really important to be able to say, how, how if you have boys in particular, would you help a, a family to be able to do that? I really love that you brought this up. And it's so funny because I just, I literally just recently started a Facebook group for parents who are kind of trying to maneuver this online world. And that is exactly what we were discussing is our boys, because I think maybe we're doing a little bit of a disservice to them because maybe we're not talking enough about what you're saying and how much they're faced with. Like I know my, my girls are older than my son. So sometimes I think of like older kid parenting in terms of girls, but our boys are facing an awful lot online and the things that they're experiencing maybe feel a little bit trickier, but exactly because of what you're saying, we're not, um, our assumptions are not geared toward leading them in that, I don't want to say softer way, but I know what you mean, like yeah. gearing them toward that way that we more, more traditionally lead our girls. So I think the only way that we can combat that is really two things. One is we need to check our own assumptions, right? What are we telling mm -hmm. our boys and what are we assuming about them? And then just head right into it. Just really discuss it and start really young. No, boys are kind. Boys are sensitive. Boys are going to think about this. And I know from personal experience, experience, boys get their, their feelings hurt online all the time. And so it's really a disservice to them to assume that this kind of stuff won't bother them. And so we do exactly what we said, we, what you just said, we create that kind of culture where this is just how we are, boy or girl, just because we're all human beings, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's nice to hear it echoed elsewhere and other people. Sometimes you feel like you're your own echo chamber in your house. <laughs> doesn't it? It just feels good to know that, okay, there's someone else out there parenting in the same way. I hope our kids meet. You know what I mean? I yes. <laughs> to benefit exactly. from that. <laughs> exactly. They're, they are. I mean, and they, they enjoy having good and kind interactions, but it's putting it into language that they can use and have the kind of the scripts in their head for them to be able to say the right things. I mean, all of my children travel by bus and depending on their age, they have phones that other people have none of my children have phones yet but you know videos and things are shown on their phones very quickly to other children that are on the bus and so 
knowing what to say when the phone is being passed to you has been a real blessing in our family for oh him to know the right words to say. So he's, it's a difficult situation then. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to stick out. You want to do the right thing, but you've got to be kind as well. Absolutely. And I think there's two really important things that you're bringing up. One thing that I hear from a lot of parents is that they're not necessarily as concerned yet about their own kids you know, experiences and things because either they don't have phones or they just wouldn't think to do those things. So that's kind of where their family's at. But you have no idea what your kids are going to get exposed to. You really can't control that. Like as much as we want to, that's out of our control. And so you have no idea what they're going to see. Like you said on the bus, even at school, a lot of kids have their phones out at lunch and you you think, okay, school day is fine, you know, but, but it's not the case. So there's that piece of it. They are going, even if you're not letting them be exposed to it at home, there's so much that is out of your control outside of your home. So that's the first part. And the second part that you said that is so so vital is giving them those scripts because if it's not on the tip of their tongue they're not going to say it and it has to sound like them and it has to feel comfortable for them to say it and it has to feel good that it fits in with what you've already taught them and that takes some conversation that takes some work to get to Um, Because sometimes the way that we might sound doesn't work for them. (laughs) And so we have to work with that and create something that feels good for everyone. Yeah, it does. And I think uh, there's a a lot of talk about hacks and quick ways to do things and easy ways to do things. And while all the things that you're talking about are easy and somewhat quick, these things take time to implement and, and they take time and years of little here, a little there with your children to, to really develop that, wouldn't you say? This is such a huge key point, and I would say is maybe my biggest struggle in helping helping parents and teachers get there is that everyone wants that quick fix. They want an app that yeah. will do the work for them. Um, I had someone email me actually just yesterday saying, you know, I like getting your newsletters, but what I really want you to tell me is what the one quick thing that I can yeah. do. And I had to say, I wish I had that for you, but that's not what this is. Like, this is one of those long-term conversations like um, drug education or alcohol education or even sex education that is long-term and needs to happen over and over and over again in order to teach our kids what they need to know. There actually isn't an app to do all this for us. You know, there's just no replacement for the kinds of conversations that you and I are talking about putting in place in our homes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And kids share all types of things we've all been in that supermarket queue and the kids when they're preschoolers have have said something (laughs) and you've been like oh my goodness and you know we have that shame and we have that embarrassment for our children and we've been in that place ourselves as parents when you know something has happened and we feel that shame or that embarrassment whether it's justified or not and we and we withdraw And for our kids, we want to protect them from all of those cruel things that happen online. I know that you've gone through some shaming online. Can you tell us how you came back from all of that stuff that went on and how we can help our children to come back from shame and hurt online? Yes, I can definitely do that. And I think, um, and I'm glad that you brought this up because I think sometimes at this point in my story, I don't give enough... um, time or focus to that part of my story where I had to go through it to get to where I am today. And it's so important to give space to exactly what you just said. When our kids go through any kind of shaming or bullying or any, even just cruelty online, 
it is a big deal. And it was a big deal to me as an adult with a great support system and understanding of the online world. For our children, it's a much bigger deal, I think, than it was for me. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up. So thank you for that. Um, I think sometimes I, I don't give enough space to that for, for our kids and they need it. So my specific story was I had been freelancing online and I wrote an article about marriage where I put in a picture uh, a wedding picture and the comments that came in on it were about um, me and how fat I looked in my wedding dress. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. And so I should say right away that it took me months to come back from this. Like I was devastated. I had been writing online oh. for like six, seven years by then. I definitely knew not to read comments. I understood all of that, but it still hit me really, really hard. And the shame that I felt was um, really a controlling factor in my behavior. So I didn't show it to anyone but my husband. I didn't talk about it. I wanted to hide it because I was embarrassed. And um, paralleling that to our children, they might do that. So they might not come to us and say, someone said this about me online. It's up to us to kind of create that relationship with them where they can come to us and or to be online with them so we can kind of be aware of what's going on. Now that's not foolproof, but it, it does help. Um, so it took me, I would say two or three months to come back from my situation. And I wrote a second article calling out my fat shamers and calling for online kindness. So my way of coming back was standing up for myself and um, creating a movement that we don't need to be like this online. Right. Um, and for our children, I mean, that's a lot to say, you know, that the way that you're going to come back is to create a movement, but, <laughs> but giving them the space to talk, giving them the space to be sad, giving them the space to stand up for themselves and the tools that they might need, um, and being right there with them, being on their team. And I think that they will feel just as alone as I felt, if not more so, because they don't have all those life experiences to be their soft landing to know this is going to ease up, this is going to be okay. Not everyone in the world knows this. That's literally what I thought. I thought everyone had seen these comments when in reality, no one I knew had seen them, right? I, I, I It felt so big to me, but and to our kids, it feels even bigger because their their worldview is a little is smaller because they're younger. Um, so being right there with them and giving them that space to process it all and to if they decide they want to speak up, to swallow that protectiveness feeling, that protective feeling, and letting them do that is what will help them heal. Yeah, that's really wise words. I think it's such a tricky time when we all feel hurt and upset because we're just in the midst of it, processing what's going on. And it's just so hard to watch somebody hurting but it's hard to be that person that's hurting as well and so thank you for um, those helpful words so that we can know what to do for our children when they're in that situation I mean we, what we do for ourselves is what we do for ourselves but it's so hard when our, our kids are just sad it's um, so hard and I think that oftentimes what we think is if we let them stand up for themselves are we drawing more attention to it? We just want it to go away. But in reality, what that's kind the message that we're sending is that their part of the story is shameful and it's not. They're not the ones who did anything wrong. It's like a certain amount of victim blaming that we're doing, not on purpose, obviously, mm -hmm. and with the best of intentions because we're trying to protect, but it sends the opposite message and it takes a lot to undo that. So yeah, that's it's a tricky it's exactly what you said. It's tricky. That's that's exactly yeah. what it is. I want to switch gears a little and talk about online chat systems and comments 
that you do. I know my uh, children in school uh, a few times have been asked to join online school chat systems where they can talk to their teacher or talk to fellow classmates. And one of my elementary boys um, was doing that and it started off just fine mm -hmm. and just like if you listen to conversations in the back of a car if you're driving yep. you know conversation can go up and down yep. <laughs> into all sorts of different areas um even in the back of the car so of course you don't expect anything less online but they're they're right there with against their name for for everyone to be able to see and i was surprised at my reaction to seeing the comments that he'd actually written down for his classmates to be able to see. And my urge was just to say, he needs to come off. We don't want him on those systems anymore. <laughs> um, my husband had to kind of talk me down and, and we had the, it's the same things that they would say in the back of the car. And we had a lot of back and forth on that. So I wondered if you could speak to me and all of those other mums and dads that children are using chat rooms and comment sections on social media. What questions and conversations should we be having with our kids? So this is such a layered issue because of everything you just said. The first thing is it's coming from school. So not participating is kind of tricky, right? I mean, yes. it's kind of a tricky thing to not participate. But the second part of it is remember that our teachers and our schools are new at this too. So really they should have never been allowed on there until they were taught what was okay to put on there and what's not. And I'm not faulting the school at all. No, we had a very similar experience with my own daughter's school. They don't know either. I mean, this is, we are literally the first parents and teachers raising our digital kids without having been them. So we want, the schools want to stay on top of things. They want to give them these opportunities and then they're forgetting that teaching part of it. So again, not faulting, not yes, faulting the school, but it's a yeah. reality. They're not teaching them, which means that it has to come from us. And so your instincts are right. He, they need to be taught what's okay to say online in the exact same way that you teach them what's okay to say in person, uh, in the car, or wherever else it is. But the difference is we have to show them, like literally show them how easy it would be for someone to screen cap their words and share them. It's so much more permanent. In the back of the car, they say it, and it kind of, I mean, like in a cartoon, it would flit away, right? Yes, but online, yes. <laughs> it's not like that. And our kids have zero I think zero concept of how far reaching those comments can be, or even how thoughtless some of their friends might be with it. They feel like, but it's my friend, you know, and their and their their um, defenses are down. And but we know how fickle kids are, and we know how impulsive they are, and we also know that those same kids also don't realize how far reaching mistakes like that can be. Um, in my own daughter's school, this happened in the grade, two grades above her. The first group that was allowed exactly what you're describing, a group chat through school, and the teacher was not monitoring it enough, and it got a little bit out of hand, and somebody took a picture of a kid at school, so this is a fifth grader, yes. with a mean comment on it, posted it in there, and somebody else screen capped it and started texting it everywhere. And just imagine how big that went and how that must have felt to that child, but also how that must have felt to the child who made, who took the initial picture. You know, they, I mean, ever, so many mistakes happen when we don't have those conversations. So I know that I'm kind of talking a lot, but I just wanted to add one more thing to this part of it. I think you're not alone in your, in your first instincts, which are just like, you're done off. <laughs> and yes. that is what, that is what I hear from a lot of parents. Well, that app, it's just that one app. If I took them off of that, they'd be fine. And that's not true. And a kid who understands how to act online could actually be okay on any app. 
and any app that has a social component on it, stuff like this could happen. So there's no perfect app and there's no awful app, but we have, it's our job to teach our kids what's okay and what's not. So um, that's probably not the answer that any parent wants to hear, because again, we (laughs) we want to hear, okay, these are the bad apps. These are the good apps, but um, that's just not how it works. It's trickier than that. It's a little more long-term. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we teach them how to make their bed and we stay there and we spend sometimes days and in my case, weeks yep, <laughs> still <yeah>. going, <laughs> trying to, get to do it right. And we, we can all remember when we taught our kids mostly how to ride a bike safely, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that you had to go through and, and teach them how to do it. It just takes time. It just feels weird to, to sit down with your child at a computer table and talk to them while they are on a a group chat or or managing Instagram or something like that. It feels strange and and weird for me as an adult to do it, but clearly this is something that we should be doing. It feels strange because no one ever did it for us, right? Because again, this is the first time. So like our kids will be so much better equipped to teach our grandchildren because they'll be able to fall back on what we taught them. But we have no one to fall back on. We don't have a memory of sitting at the table with our moms or dads or teachers teaching us how to do it. We are pioneering it. And that's why it feels weird. And unfortunately, that's why a lot of people don't do it um, because they just don't even think to. It's not that they're being awful. They just really have, yeah. you know, like you said, you don't have the memory of someone riding, you know, running alongside your, your bike teaching you. So you do that with your kids. You don't have that muscle memory. So you don't do You don't initiate it. And that's the change we have to make. So yes, this is new. Yes, this is different, but let's go get it because our kids need us too. Excellent. And so we need to do some good modeling. We need to to do that. And you have the knowledge. So what are some good modeling ideas that we can use when we're online that we can show our children? I mean, one thing that I'm trying to do more they were complaining that I'm on my phone all the time doing things. And I thought, I'm actually doing, looking for the recipe for tonight's yeah. dinner. But they didn't realize that that's what I was doing. So when they came over, instead of me just kind of pulling it away, I'm now beginning to show them, look, this is what we're eating, you know, Pinterest or wherever it is that I saved it from. And now they can see and realize that I'm not just playing around or goofing off, that I'm actually using it for good. So but this- what things can you say? I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I was just so excited because that is one of the examples I was absolutely going to give. I think they don't know what we're doing. And so it looks like we're just zoning out on our phones. And so that's what they do because they don't know any better. So if we just tell them that we're using the internet or using our phones as a tool, then that's what we're teaching them to do. That it's not just entertainment. Of course, sometimes it's entertainment and that's okay. (laughs) But it's also a tool that they can use, a really powerful one. And so if, if we model that by just communicating and letting them know, then guess what? They're going to learn how to use it as a tool too. So I was just so excited that we were on the exact same page. So <laughs> I am sorry for interrupting you, but that's no, that's so, so that is one huge example, just letting them know what we're actually doing and communicating it. The other one from me, and we just implemented this in our house recently when more people in our house started having devices than not, is we have one place where we plug in our phones, like just like a charging station. And it's in the kitchen. And, and when people come home or come in, they just put their phones right in there. So it's not on us at all times. And that is a huge thing to model. We don't need to be attached to our phones. Now, do we text our friends back and all those things? Of course we model that as well, but it doesn't have to be on us all the time. And I remember being told a while ago, this was, this was before I started this work, but a mom told me that she stopped being friends with another mom because she was on her phone the whole time they were together. 
And so she said the message she sent me was that she would rather talk to anyone who would come across her Facebook feed or her Instagram feed than her. And so she just kind of stopped making an effort with that friendship. And I thought, you know what? The people in my home and the people in my life, I never want them to feel that I would rather be with anyone besides them when they're right there in front of me. So that's where we implemented that. So we we have a charging station, and the second you come in, you just plug it in. And when you need it for a tool, then you go get your phone. And when you don't need it, you plug it in because it doesn't have to be attached to you. So using it as a tool, not being attached to you. And then I think just more directly the kind things that we do online. And so like, I literally will show my daughter, why do I like every picture on my Instagram feed? Why do I participate in some things and not others? Why do I check in? I actually don't check in, but like, why do I like maybe post a picture of like the movies that we went to way after we've left? So we can actually teach our kids what we're doing and why we're doing it so that they can do it too. So it's like so many layers of lessons and conversations to have, but I think those are great ones to start with. No, that, that's really good. Often that's that's our hiccup is that we see the need to do something and we want to do it, but now we're stuck at how to do it. And so they were some really good ideas to get started. And I think once you start doing it, then others kind of come along. And especially Agreed. if you talk to friends as well, Agreed. you start, you know, brainstorming going, oh, you do that? Oh, I'm going to try and do that too. So that's huge. I think that um, I've written about this just a tiny bit, but I, I know as a blogger, like when my kids were really little, I found so much solace and comfort and information from other bloggers or from what people were posting on Facebook or wherever it is they were posting. But then as our kids got older, that line kind of became blurry. Like we couldn't really tell all of our, like, I mean, could you imagine posting what your 13 year old is dealing with on Facebook? It would be a complete invasion of his privacy. Right. Yes, and so exactly. we all kind of stopped doing that, but we really needed each other because the issues had a lot more, um, I don't want to say depth to them, but maybe impact to them. And we needed each other. And so the, this is a great way to do it. Like, don't put it on social media for everyone to see, but find your mom group and just ask, just say, like, what, what, do, are you letting him use this app? What, how did he use it? What are you teaching about it? Or I read this article. If you're not one to like, you know, find everyone in person, send it to your email group, put it to your friends over email and see what everybody thinks. And once everybody's talking, I think we find that not only do we need each other more, but we're open with each other so much more. And then we're all bettered for it. It's super important. Yeah, it is. I mean, I we I started a, a Facebook group um, recently too for that purpose, for reflection and being able to look at things and really think, does this fit with my family and, and how am I going to do it? We can't always have a knee-jerk reaction to things, you know, one way or the other. Sometimes we really do need to reflect and see how are we going to do this in our family and actually will this work the way that they're doing it and so I, I really appreciate an opportunity when you have with friends to be able to talk through things and think about it and not just feel shame or embarrassment yes. because you're not keeping up with the Joneses. Well, we should join each other's Facebook groups because that sounds, <laughs> they sound very complimentary to each other. And I was just going to say, just because, and I don't know if maybe you can relate to this, but I also, I, I live in Minnesota and I did not grow up here. And I don't know if you know very much about the Midwest, but it's like such good, nice people, but man, do they love each other. And no. so it's like, it's very hard to, to break in and it's very hard to find yes. your group. And I do have wonderful friends here, but I also have wonderful friends around the world. And so connecting online in a Facebook group to me, 
feels different than it does um, posting it to your general page. And so those groups are, I don't want to say a safe space because um, I just don't believe in that, but they're a better place to have those kinds of discussions. And there are ways to have those discussions, like by sharing an article or like you said, like posing a question without blabbing your kids' whole stories. And so there are ways to still reach out to each other, even if you don't have your mom group in your town, or even if you... um, do you know what I mean? Like, like, it's yeah. like you can do this online in a way that still respects your kids' privacy, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, absolutely, because you won't always find people that are like you all around you, but there are many people that are like you around the world. And so the more people that you can gather around you that um, can help support the way that you're doing things, the more positive you can be for your family in so many ways. Goodness, I agree with you. So what is what is your Facebook group's name? Just to make sure that I, I want to write it down. <laughs> It's the Society of Nimble Parents. Okay, well, I will join it right after we hop off the call. And mine is called the Savvy Parents Club with Galit Brain. So um, okay. I will um, I will welcome you there, too, if you would like to join okay, us. But if yeah, not, I will absolutely. join yours and join in yeah. your conversation. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> so um, we want to talk a little bit more about kindness to our children. So mm-hmm. you, your book is all about kindness wins and how we can share being kind and that, that intentional positivity about being kind and asking the kids to be kind but we need as parents to be kind to our kids too so how can we show kindness to our kids without feeling like we are being a pushover or that we have to teach them all the time you know how can we make sure that we're showing kindness I so agree with you because kids who are treated with kindness expect the world a to treat them that way and they expect to treat the world that way and so that is absolutely how it should start and I think maybe that message sometimes gets lost um, for this, the reasons that you just described. Maybe people don't want to, they're so worried about not making their kids resilient or not teaching, like grasping at those teachable moments that they forget that those kindnesses are actually the lesson, right? This is how we should be treating each other in this world. So I always, I have, I have a, actually a list and you and I talked about articles and I will send you that link, but I have a list of just simple ways, everyday ways that we can show kindness to our kids without spoiling them, without making, you know, but it's just treating them like we would treat a friend or anyone else with that gentleness and with that kindness um, that shows them that we care and that this is what we do for each other. People who care about each other, this is what they do. So you can kind of feel good about it being a lesson anyway. <laughs> right. Yes. And um, it'll work on your relationship, which actually the benefit to that is that then they're more likely to be open with you with all the things that they have going on. So it's like parenting and it's a lesson and it's just the right way to treat people. So it all works together. Um, and when I say everyday things, I just mean things like remembering that they're people. <laughs> and yes. so like, you know, um, I know people say like, if your kid forgets, let's say their sweatshirt, like let them be cold so they don't forget their sweatshirt next time. So I think you can pick and choose that, right? Like I said, I live in Minnesota. It's really cold here. <laughs> like that might not be the best choice for me, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, or my daughter forgot her, her folder yesterday or two days ago. And I thought, oh, this is one of those times where somebody else might tell me not to bring it to her because it's spoiling her or enabling her. But you know what? She worked really hard on her homework. I was on my way out anyway. So I said, I'll meet you outside. I don't have time to come in, but I'll meet you outside. Come, you know, meet me there. It was a compromise. It showed her that kindness. It was a favor. And because I don't do it every single day or all the time, she was really grateful. And she, you know, she, I mean, even in that moment and when she came home, she said, thank you so much for doing that for me. She was not entitled about it. She was not like, oh yeah, of course mom will do this. She understood that it was a kindness or a favor. And again, if a friend asked us to do that, 
I'm pretty sure we would say yes, right? So we want to treat them with with that much respect, if not more, just because they're our people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it can be hard um, as parents. We think it's sometimes in absolutes when we're thinking about rules. And we think that if we don't pursue this particular rule, then we're going to come up short and they're going to be ruined forever. Right, right. <laughs> if that's, if that's um, ever possible. But it, it's not that at all. You, you have to be able to, to do what your family feels is the right thing. We have um, a family statement that we have by our, our meal table that we look at every time that we're at the table. And one of the things that we have in our family mission statement is... Um, we like second choice, ch second chances, and that's an important one that we talk about. And so my son had a similar thing. He missed the bus, and it was totally his own fault, um, and partly some of my fault for how it happened. And I could see he was devastated that he'd, he'd missed the bus. And we have a rule in our house that if you miss the bus and it's your fault, then you pay a fine a very small fine mm. and um, it helps and it's it's been very corrective and it's not a big deal and it hardly ever happens and he was just really upset he'd missed the bus um, he was cross about it and he's like I'll just go and get my money he was no. just very matter-of-fact like this is this is my life right now he wasn't <laughs> mad with me it was just like let's just do this and can you take me to school and, and I, my heart just melted because I just thought here he is in the midst of just frustration and he just took it so well and I knew that in his heart it wasn't intentional he hadn't deliberately set out that morning to miss the bus it's been a, one of those cascading days that <laughs> if he could have gone back to bed he would have and tried again and I just gave him a big hug and said you know we don't need to do this and we had a conversation and I could give him a hug and he crumpled as they do and, and gave that big heartfelt weep that kids do <laughs> and I just loved him in that moment and said you know go wash your face and we'll go to school and don't worry about that and I and, think it's just showing our kids that grace I mean really yes. if we were ha like you said sometimes those mornings happen and what if yeah. our partners were like, <laughs> like too bad you know yes. like we you know we, we you showed him so much grace and that to me the lesson that he could that you are his soft landing and that yes you're going to teach him and you're going to hold him accountable but you're also going to love him and be his soft landing that is the lesson right there and so I think that that's amazing parenting I think that he will remember that and that will become some such a more important moment for you guys than if you had just been hard in that moment at least that's what I think yeah I I, I like when those times happen because sometimes they don't and yes. I feel like oh we feel as if we're just rule bound but it's nice when you can have those opportunities and actually to talk about we did talk about it that evening and he he brought it up at the dinner at the dinner table and said what had happened and, and how things had gone through and you could see a few of the, the his brothers were a bit like hang on you didn't pay <laughs> like how did that work and then they talked it through and then they, they and he said mom gave me a second chance Aww. and then it was just like oh and and I was just thinking I could not have imagined this going any better right but it's because it of how you set it up though right I mean you have a system in place for what happens everybody knows what to expect but like exactly you just said you don't have to be so rule bound about it because the situation that might have not warranted that um, my friend Vicky I said says this so beautifully parent for the moment not what you think the moment means 
And I love that because you were parenting that moment, not trying to say, well, if I do this, then he will never be accountable for anything, right? But in reality, he actually was, I think, more accountable. Don't you think? I mean, he took, he's the one who talked about a dinner. He explained what happened and that he took responsibility. I, like you said, it couldn't have gone better. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, we've been talking a lot about kindness and sometimes we get stuck in, it's not the unkind things, but we get stuck like we've talked about with the don'ts and the rules. If we want to change our mindset and use more of the kindness wins philosophy and the, the kindness things with our our families we need to be connected with other kindness people what are some kindness people or books that you would recommend if you were trying to make over your family atmosphere oh that is such a great question I actually want to throw that back at you too I want to hear what recommendations you have so our our family um read wonder together and I'm sure that everybody is talking about that book but that is one that really um, helped us start the conversation. Um, And I love for writers, like for parenting philosophy writers, I love uh, Michelle Borba and I love um, Rachel Stafford. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who is kindness focused. Um, Michelle wrote a book um, called Unselfie and it is empathy focused. And I think it works really well with the work that I do. I like those two together. you know, I'm going to have to think about this one a little bit more. Do you have any great recommendations? Well, this is something new that I'm kind of going into. I've I've done a small parts of kindness things before, but I'm trying to do more of it. So that's that was a question that I wanted to see <laughs> for, for myself. But I really enjoy um, Alyssa and when she talks at Bounce Back Parenting, okay. she talks about, you know, 101 ways to be kind. Um, you've probably seen her post everywhere. Of, okay. Um, <laughs> all the different kindness ways that you can help to do that. Um, I really enjoy her work um, with how you work with children to, to, to get kindness in. Um, I can't think of many others. I, I just pick up here and there bits and pieces uh, of people, but it's something that I really want to focus a little bit more on. So I actually really like what you said about the picking up the bits and pieces because I, so a year ago, actually almost exactly a year ago, um, you know, October is anti-bullying month. And I really try to send the message that we need to move away from anti-bullying and toward pro-kindness. So while a lot of my colleagues were really focusing on that no bullying message or anti-bullying message, I decided to give it a try to go for the pro-kindness message. And I, every day I shared one article about someone doing something kind online or, or in person. And what happened was once I started really paying attention to it, I noticed it a lot more. And not only that, but people started sending me all these great articles and all these great moments of kindness that they found. So maybe, maybe there's no like, you know, the be all end all great work about kindness, but maybe it's about shifting our mindset to look for it until it becomes so normal that the other stories, the negative stories become kind of weird. (laughs) You know, you're like, you're like, what happened there? Because my world is filled with kindness and like, that's an aberration. Whereas I think kind of the way you started this, um, this part of the conversation was there's a lot of negativity out there. And if Mm -hmm. all we're sharing and focusing on and noticing is the negativity that becomes the norm. So let's reclaim that and let's kind of shift the conversation maybe in smaller ways rather than like the big epic work, but in smaller ways, sharing the good stuff. Yeah, that's a great place to end.
Okay, where is a good place for you to come, for us to come and find out about the kindness that you talk about so well? So my website is theselittleways.net and I am Galit Rain on all social media. So whatever social media platform you're on, that is how you can find me. And my Facebook group, The Savvy Parents Club, I have to say is filled with some pretty wonderful kindness warriors and change makers and parents and teachers who really want to, to make a difference. And so that is another great place to be. And then I will send you a link for my kindness thing my information on how to be kind to our children and how to really build that in them because it's a great resource and a great reminder. So those are the best ways to reach me. Brilliant. Well, today I've been talking to Galit Broom from theselittlewaves.net and her book, Kindness Wins, and how to be more intentional about teaching our kids how to be positive and kind online. Thank you for being here today, and I will be right back after this short break. Galit and I could have talked for a long time about kindness online. You can find her at theselittlewaves.net. And don't forget her book, Kindness Wins, found in all good bookshops. Both Galit and I have that lovely thing of our names and how we say them. And I think listening back to this recording, I must have said her name in so many different ways and I totally understand how frustrating that that must be with my name Melitza the same thing happens to me so I must apologize Galit for getting your name wrong some of the times as we were talking through the interview there we both joined each other's Facebook groups so look for us there and I'll leave a link for them both in the show notes a lot of the show today was about showing the positive to children they have to know what to do and not just what not to do. When they were little, we knew that saying don't run wasn't as good as saying walking feet. Something about the children not always hearing all of the sentence you, you say, which meant that they often heard the reinforcement bit of run. They didn't hear the don't run, they just heard run, which was exactly the opposite of what you didn't want them to do. I mean, I think we've all had that experience of saying, don't run, and then they seem to just keep running or run more. But if they heard any part of walking feet, then they would do the action that you actually wished for them to be doing. Sometimes we don't value showing and telling the how and what to do well. We just tell them the don't. And so I hope that today's interview helped you to be able to tell them and show them how to do some of these things. You've heard me say we're looking for some kindness resources during that interview and straight after the conversation I downloaded Unselfie by Dr. Michelle Borber and she accompanied me everywhere as I listened to her book. I'm excited to have her as a guest in an upcoming show about this book because it's full of great practical stuff but I'll leave the conversation about that for another time. She does say be kind, but she shows you how we can teach and show it in ways through empathy. So we'll listen out for that show in the future. November is traditionally a Thanksgiving and gratitude kind of month here in the US and probably around the world, wherever you are too. We were talking in the Society of Nimble Parents, the Facebook group, about fall and autumn traditions this week, and I realized we didn't have very many in our house. I bought a mini pumpkin because I wanted to start small so we will actually get the things done. And we're going to 
write Sharpie things we're thankful for or grateful for. I saw it online and I thought that this was something small, something simple and doable of a way to bring up kindness in another way every day for the month of November. If you're struggling with the be nice or be kind to your sister or brother thing, or want to learn more about kindness, I've started a few Pinterest boards to help out with our mindset and set an atmosphere for talking about kindness in our home. Sometimes that's just what the problem is, is it's hard to bring up kindness without just saying, well, we just all need to be kind. And kind of that's the end of it. We want many different ways that we can kind of bring that up. Kindness is not just for November and it's not just for the girls. So the three boards that I've, I've got is one called Be Kind and this one's for kids. It's simple family projects that help heal and encourage family traditions and comforts. So all of the pins that I pin there are to do with projects, healing and encouraging family traditions and comforts of being kind just for the kids. The second board is called Be Kind For Us, Self-Kindness Matters, because we need to be kind to ourselves. Sometimes we forget and we, we rush, 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 we do, 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 we're quick, 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 and we don't think of the things that we need to do. Some of that is a slowing down, some of that is a thinking about how we can be kinder to ourselves. So I've got some ideas to inspire us and remind us and, and make us reflect a little bit. And then the third board I've done is a crossover board called Caring, Gratitude and Mindfulness for Families. So it's strategies to empower and inspire your children to care, be grateful and be mindful. So that's kind of a crossover from everything else that, that we're doing. Again, I'll leave a link for those in the show notes so that you can pop on over and, and have a, a feast with those. If you want to see more kindness shown in each member of our family, they need a lot of input. They need to see it. They need their cup full and overflowing with kindness. Ideas because we are showing it and doing it. Examples that they can see of other people so we need to show them and let them know. Scripts and ideas of how to say it because it feels strange for these words to come out of our mouth when we're not used to using it. That we can practice them at home, around each other, for it not to become so weird a feeling. And we need to be able to share. Share them with our friends, with our family, with the people that are around to actually practice. So now it's your turn. I'm sure I'm missing resources. I'd love for you to send in your recommendations of people, authors, quotes or resources that have really made a difference to your kindness in your family. I'd love to hear about what happens in your family when you talk about kindness. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode or share your ideas in the Facebook group, The Society of Nimble Parents. Thanks for being here today. I know that there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here. I hope that something that Galit has said or I have triggered you to investigate something more and helped you to make a decision for your wonderful family. Don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people find the show. Show notes for today's show with all of the links that we've been talking about will be found at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 196 because that's the number of this show. 
While you're there, you can get the fortnightly Raising Playful Tots note that has some encouragement and ideas on our journey of intentional, simple parenting and simple play. Also, I have a growing library of parenting resources and principles over on my site to help to support you. I'll see you again next time. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 196. Come over and play next week. Until then, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye.